Hey everyone, welcome back. Welcome to this beautiful rainy fall day. (laughs) It is raining here, it is cloudy, and I am loving it. I stood outside earlier this morning in the rain and it just felt so good. I think the weather's teasing us. I think it's teasing us and telling us that fall is just around the corner, but I'll take it. I will take what little rain we get and I am going to love it. So on today's episode, we are going to be discussing disappointment and expectations. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, those are two different things. But I want to offer to you that they're really not, that they're really intertwined. I've been reading the book Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And for those of you that don't know who she is, she is She has a doctorate in social work, and she is a research professor, and she discusses a lot and talks a lot and writes a lot about different emotions. And as I have been reading her book, I was fascinated by the section on disappointment and expectations. Now, we have all been disappointed a time or two in our lives, right? I would imagine that all of us are nodding, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. In fact, you're probably thinking about one one disappointment that stands out right now. And and for me, I was thinking about, you know, all these things. And one that stands out is actually, actually happened to me when I was in seventh grade. I know that sounds like a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but it really stands out. Now, in my seventh grade, one of my classes, we were um, studying different careers and we had a field trip planned to actually go see a live taping of one of my favorite sitcoms down in Los Angeles. Now, we lived in the mountains in Southern California, and so that was quite a ways away. It was about a two-hour drive, three hours in traffic. and But we were so excited about this, the, the idea, and, and we talked about it for weeks and weeks and weeks prior. Now, unfortunately, this... this um, Field trip was scheduled in the early spring, I believe. And the night before the field trip, it started to snow. And I knew right away what that meant, that if it continued to snow, that school would be canceled the next day. And sure enough, school was canceled the next day. And since school was canceled, so was our field trip. And I remember feeling so disappointed. I... I might have shed a tear or two. I don't know. But I was so disappointed. I can still feel it. It affected me that much. (laughs) And I was disappointed because I had all these expectations about how this field trip was going to be, how it was going to go. Now, we, we all have expectations, right? We have expectations about ourselves and our life plan, how it should how it should go, right? We have expectations when it comes to our relationships, how our husband or children should be or how they should behave. We have expectations about work. We have expectations about our vacations even and our time off and what it should look like and what kind of experiences we should have on these on these vacations. Now, notice how the word should came up over and over again every time I I went over these scenarios, right? Because should is an expectation. It's just another word for an expectation. So expectations really are 
is when we have this ideal or this judgment, so to speak, of how we think things just ought to be. We make up a story in our head about how our lives will turn out or how the people in our lives should behave and so on and so on. And I'm guessing that most of you listening can relate to this, right? Because really, I think we all have expectations. Now, holding on to expectations or the should attitude can really set us up for disappointment if things or people turn out to be different than we really expected. And I love how Brene Brown in her book defines disappointment. She defines it as disappointments are unmet expectations. The more significant the expectations, the more significant the disappointment. Isn't that true? Now let's talk about expectations a little bit more. Did you know that expectations really are a form of trying to control the situation or control the people around us? It really is. As we try to control those outcomes that are really, really beyond our control, if you think about it, as we do that, We think that we will feel better. We want to feel good. And that's why we want to control. We want, we have these expectations so that we can control what we think should or shouldn't happen so that we can feel good. Now, many times we aren't even consciously aware of the expectations we make. So we make these expectations without really thinking them through or without really verbalizing them to ourselves or anyone else. But here's the kicker. We have these expectations and we expect others to just know what we expect. Now, isn't that funny? I mean, seriously, how can we expect others to know what we expect if we haven't really examined them or verbalized those expectations ourselves? (laughs) It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it, right? There are a lot of times. There are other times where we we are aware of our expectations, But we still have this idea that we don't need to verbalize them, that people just know exactly what we expect or situations should just turn out the way we expect. Now, this becomes especially apparent in our relationships. We might have an expectation of our husband or our boyfriend or our child, and we think that they should just know what we expect without telling them in the first place. And I love what Brene Brown calls these. She calls these stealth expectations or silent expectations, expectations that are totally unexamined and totally unexpressed. Now, let me give you an example about that. So when my husband and I were celebrating our first Christmas together, we were pretty excited. We were both so excited as we anticipated all those holiday traditions and celebrations. And, but we did not discuss those expectations, right? The things that we expected. And it became really clear early on that we both had different expectations. You see, I expected that we would go out and we would buy a big Christmas tree and we would buy um, brand new ornaments to put on the Christmas tree and brand new lights. And we would just be starting, starting our married life on the right foot so to speak. Now, my husband 
had different expectations. He was a lot more practical and we didn't have a lot of money and I, I knew that, but he his expectations were that we would have a very modest Christmas tree and we would have homemade decorations. <laughs> and I don't even know if we had lights, <laughs> if we even sprung for lights. I can't remember. But I remember how disappointed we both were when we realized each other's expectations weren't exactly like ours. Anyway, I will tell you, though, that instead of spending uh, money on a bigger tree, we did get a medium-sized tabletop tree. And when we put it on the table, it did come to a, it was probably about as tall as I am which is only about five foot two, (laughs) not very tall, right? And we did decide that, you know, maybe it was better for our budget to make homemade decorations. Now, I will admit that I, I wasn't super excited about this and I was a little disappointed, but we did make these really cute decorations in the, in trees and snowman in the shape of stockings with, with felt and with cotton and, um, And to this day, they still make their debut on our Christmas tree. In fact, they're my husband's favorite. Now, when it came to gift giving, um, we both had entirely different expectations. My gifts to him were not as practical as he was really used to. And his gifts to me were a lot more practical than I was ever used to getting on Christmas. And it never occurred to us, never occurred to us to talk about our expectations about Christmas. So come Christmas morning, as exciting as it was, I will admit it was just a little disappointing. (laughs) We just assumed that we would each know what our expectations were. And we didn't. Expectations can show up as thoughts all the time, right? About how we think that the people in our lives should or shouldn't be, or how situations should turn out. Things like, thoughts like these. My teenager shouldn't spend so much time on her phone. My husband shouldn't spend so much time watching TV. Or my husband shouldn't work so late. My mother should want to spend time with her grandchildren. And my friend should always, always remember my birthday. And my child should never act that way. And this vacation should be so much more relaxing. Now, again, when we think someone should or shouldn't do something or a situation should or shouldn't be something, it's because of the way we want to feel. We want to feel better. And so we make up these expectations because we think that if they are met, then we will feel good. In other words, we think that if we can control everything, everybody and everything, then we will feel better. It is all about the way we want to feel. It's all about feelings, my friend. It really is. (laughs) Seriously, think about it for a minute. When our expectations are met, how do you feel? I feel pretty good. And I'm going to guess you do too. Am I right? (laughs) I think so. And when our expectations aren't met, Yes, we feel disappointment. We might feel discouragement. We might even feel a little bit angry. And then it may look like resentment and blame. And the reason we suffer like this is because we 
have actually given the responsibility of our emotions to that expectation. If our husband or child doesn't meet our expectations, if our plans don't turn out how we expected them to, we hold them responsible for the way we feel. Now, when I say it out loud, isn't this totally ironic? Here we are trying to control the outcome of what is beyond our control in the first place because we think we want to feel good. But in the long run, what we're really doing is giving up our control and giving somebody else control over our emotions. And if you're hearing this for the first time and you don't quite understand what I'm trying to convey here, please don't hesitate to get on a free phone call with me and let me explain it explain it better to you. I have helped so many clients and when they start to really understand this concept, it is a game changer for them. I have seen their lives and their perspectives change so much because of this concept. Okay, so we talked about what happens when we don't examine our expectations and we create unrealistic expectations when we try to control unrealistically, right? Now, does that mean that we should never have expectations? Not really. No. In fact, it's better. It is better to drop the expectations if our expectations are to control the outcome or to control somebody or wanting somebody to change, right? We know we can't do that. That's not our job to do that. Our job is to just love the people in our lives for who they are and take responsibility for how we respond to their behavior or the outcomes of the different circumstances we find ourselves in. But as parents, we certainly can have expectations. We can expect that in our home, everyone works together, which equates to expectations that everyone has certain jobs or chores to do, right? And if they, if they choose not to do their jobs, then there's consequences, natural consequences that follow. We can expect in our families that everyone will treat each other kindly and with lots of love and respect and that everyone will feel safe. And when this doesn't happen, then there are some clear natural consequences when these expectations are violated. At work, your company will have expectations about how your company runs, what your job description looks like, and the expectations that go along. Well, and these are all types of expectations that are created for the benefit of our family, for the benefit of the company, for the benefit of us, really. And there'll be times when you will just have, you will have expectations. And the key, the key is to make sure that you reality check your expectations by examining them and by expressing them. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me give you another example that will illustrate this. So my husband and I, we usually, um, keep a running list of things that we want to do on Saturdays. And a lot of times it's, you know, yard work or just things around the house, things that we haven't been able to do during the work week. Anyway, and I used to um, have my expectations just in my head. And my husband used to have his in his head. And we'd get to Saturday and guess what? They didn't really align all the time, right? And we wanted to spend time together, but our expectations were entirely different. 
So what did we do? Well, we decided that we would start communicating. And we ask each other before it gets to the weekend, okay, what is on your list of things to do today? What is on your list of things to do today? And we talk about those lists and we talk about the reality, you know, because sometimes we have way more than we really have time for or or sometimes, you know, he might want to go on a bike ride and that sounds really fun. So I might go ahead and drop one of my expectations. So really verbalizing those expectations help us to understand understand each other and help us work together in accomplishing and, and accomplishing what we want to do with the expectations that we have set. Now, one a uh, few years ago, we went on a family ski trip and we, my husband and I, were totally intentional about what we expected on this ski trip. We, our family hadn't been together for about three years because my son was serving on a mission. And so this would be the first time that we were all together. And it was a ski trip. And my daughter and her family had never learned how to ski. So as my husband and I were talking about this vacation and we were setting these realistic expectations, we decided that our goal was simply just to be together and to provide an opportunity for our daughter and her family to learn how to ski. So my husband and I went into it knowing that neither one of us would ski very much, right? He would help my daughter and her family in lessons and on the beginner hills. My older boys would ski on their own and meet up with us every now and then. And then I would spend most of my time with our youngest grandson, who was just a little too young to really learn how to ski. And we'd be, you know, we would do activities back in the cabin or in the snow. And we we expected that he and I would not do a lot of skiing, even though this was a family ski trip. But we also built in no ski days where we could all spend time together playing in the snow and doing family activities. Now, we didn't expect everybody to have a marvelous time all the time. Um, that wasn't our expectation, and that was okay. And as we planned this vacation, we continued constantly to reality check our expectation and to really talk things out. And we found that communicating our expectations all along the way with each other and with our family made this one of the best vacations we have ever had. And even though there was a little disappointment here and there, and even though things didn't go totally perfect, it really turned out to be one of the best that we've had because we reality checked our expectations and we verbalized them. Now, even when we reality check our expectations and we express them, they still might not be met. And that can feel disappointing. And there is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with feeling disappointment. Your body can handle feeling disappointment. It knows what to do if you're feeling disappointment, if you allow it to feel that. Now, some people don't like to feel disappointment. So they've decided to just live in constant disappointment. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> There's this fear of feeling disappointment. So they have the attitude that they should just expect the worst all the time. And that way they will just be numb to disappointment when and if it happens. 
Now, if you're listening to this and this sounds like you, please get on a phone call with me so that I can help you stop living in disappointment and learn that feeling disappointment is not scary at all. It may sting for just a moment, but then it's really gone. Now remember, we were sent to this earth to experience joy, not to live in disappointment all the time. That is not what God wants us to feel all the time. We were meant to feel a balance of all of our emotions. It's that 50-50 concept that I talk about all the time. He doesn't want us to think of the worst that can happen all the time. No, that's not it. And if that is where you're stuck, I am here to help you. All right, my friends, have a fabulous week. Don't forget to get on my calendar and I will talk to you next time.